Today on The Topping Show, Twitter cancels Daily Wire, Trump attacks DeSantis, Amazon Alexa recorded Crick Kids, Bye Bye Baby may be saved, Sentinel One stock crashes while Dell rises, Blizzard has a two-faced pride strategy, Walmart has pride merchandise but also Bibles, auto regulators want to implement legal reasoning for auto braking, and Ford recalls 140,000 SUVs. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT cybersecurity. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Sentinel One having their stock crash by 37%. In one day. Now, Sentinel One is a cybersecurity company founded in 2013, and as of this year, they have about 2,100 employees. They are mostly focusing on business segments. So, my IT company that I own, we're actually a partner for Sentinel One. They do have a great endpoint, EDR, XDR. There's a lot of acronyms in IT, especially cybersecurity. Rudimentary speaking, it's a great way to keep your computers free of viruses, as well as your cloud presence. It's they do a lot of things, but rudimentally speaking, it's a cybersecurity company. And unfortunately, they're going to have to lay off about 5% of their staff. And again, you're not too surprised to hear why the stock crashed so heavily. They missed the earning expectations. And straight from the CEO, he said, quote, This is not the best market to operate in for a growth company. What you're seeing is a real-time adjustment from a full-on growth company into a more balanced approach, disciplined growth company. Unquote. That's from the CEO, Tomer uh, Weingarten. And that was a speech that he had with investors last week. And he also noted that, quote, this is not the economy to put the pedal to the metal and run fast. We just want to be more efficient. Unquote. Yes, th- that, that is very true. But at the end of the day, they also have a very competitively priced product compared to the industry. So there are many endpoint security, endpoint being like an endpoint, think of a laptop or mobile device. It's not in the traditional IT data center. A lot of people know them for their endpoint solution. And they're, they're not the highest priced. They never have been, especially the biggest, more premium brand, or the brand that charges more for their solution, would be CrowdStrike, which is another competitor of theirs. Sun One has always been a branded as a great ROI. It's a more aggressive price point, still a very good technological solution. So, if anything, I would think their business would be thriving right now. But unfortunately, when you look at their marketing resources, in terms of you know the number of events they put on for prospective new clients, new hires, but you're not seeing a lot of that these days. And that's all publicly facing knowledge as well. Just look at LinkedIn, look at the trends of you know hiring rates, what types of roles you're looking for. And the main reason that they want to lay off about 5% of their staff is they claim that between reduction in the staff as well as the facilities, maybe shut down some uh, remote offices, They'll be able to save about $40 million in this fiscal year. So that's a good savings. Although it's also one of those things where their Q1 Irving, compared to their earnings, that's really not that much. I know it'll help ease perhaps some shareholder concern. 
but their fiscal Q1 revenue is $20.9 billion. Uh, but is that really enough? And I, I actually digress. That actually is for Dell. So apologize for that faux pas. But it'll be interesting to see what, what can Sentinel-1 do to get back on track. It is a great solution. I know a lot of clients that really appreciate that technology. Time shall tell to see if they're maybe to, able to turn things around a little bit. Now, more upbeat technological news. You have Dell completely obliterating their Q1 earnings. Now, their fiscal Q1 revenue came in at $20.9 billion, which is good, but it's also a little concerning because that's about 20% less year over year. So the over the same period, time period last year compared to this time period this year, it's about 20% less. Now, the street consensus was they thought they were going to hit $20.27 billion. So they beat expectations, which, of course, if you're publicly traded, that is the best way to really embolden stakeholder confidence. It's more investors are going to want to buy in because they see the company's growing. So it's a great sign for the company. Now, they did break down the earnings to show you know what areas are a little bit more sluggish. They noted that specifically their infrastructure, so think of you know servers, storage, networking, Think of a data center, not the stuff you see in front of you like a laptop, but the data center stuff. Now that was about $7.6 billion in revenue. Now that's down 18% compared to Q1 last year. Now they do claim there is a cliche term called commoditization where there are people that think there's less and less differences between a server, whether it's manufactured by Dell, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, Supermicro, Lenovo, what have you. And because of that public perception People are looking for, they really don't care about the price in terms of, I should say, the logo that's put on the box because they're looking for the price point because the consumer feels that is a commodity. And I blame partially the manufacturers for not putting some more marketing as well as research and develop to make theirs more proprietary, more robust. Engineers will tell you which one they think is the best, and there are some that are faster, more reliable than others. But at the end of the day, what matters is the consumer perspective. So that part of the Dell business is down. Now their storage segment, that did increase. So that's very key since you look at the amount of profit that comes from the data center and technology in general, storage is a little bit more, well, it's a lot more proprietary. There are more startups and new companies in the storage segment of IT than servers barred infinitely more. I can't think of a single server company that's new that's been on the market for decades. You basically have the top four. You have Dell, HPE, you have Supermicro, then Lenovo, then depending on your definition of hyperconverge, you could throw in a tanks, kind of. But there's not a lot of upstarts and new companies starting to sell service. Storage, there's a lot more competition, a lot more innovation, a lot more proprietary data and ways to do things. So it makes sense that part of the business is growing, thankfully. Now, they did also know that their client solutions, now I know fun more IT terms, client solutions from Dell's perspective, that is what you and many consumers would consider technology. So. Think of laptops, printers, monitors, endpoint solutions. Well, I know we said endpoint. That's also where your antivirus goes. But they know that that segment was $12 billion in Q1 revenue. Unfortunately, that was also 23% lower year over year. And there are many reasons for this. A lot of companies are trying to have materials, you know, make them last a little bit longer as there's a lot of uncertainty. Why go out and spend you know twenty to a hundred thousand dollars on a laptop refresh? Refresh being buy new ones and exchange the old ones, whether recycle them or trade them in. If they're technically working okay, and you're worried about payroll or you're worried about other expenses or you want to hire some people, 
So depending on the business model, what the everyday interaction is with the consumer in that product, it might make sense to divert those funds in other areas. So time shall tell to see if Dell is able to continue that growth rate. Again, they beat expectations and there's a lot of competition these days in IT. Time shall tell to see how they do. Now, other interesting business use, you have Bye Bye Baby. They may be saved. Now, the company was founded by Richard and Jeffrey Feinstein. They were the sons of the Bed Bath Beyond co-founder, Leonard Feinstein, and they found that company over in 1996. It was eventually acquired, hopefully, by Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, Bed Bath & Beyond is currently going through bankruptcy. They, they um, filed Chapter 11, so they're only open to liquidate assets. So everything from literally the furniture in the stores to the fixtures, their remaining inventory, but also their intellectual property. And there are some people that are interested in Bye Bye Baby, which is a great name, but I still think, in terms of the product, Bye Bye Baby, it's always no joke. I was surprised Planned Parenthood didn't buy that name. But, I don't know, it, it, it's a weird name to have for a store that is known for selling things for babies, not babies that are going away. Nevertheless, they sell baby accessories, pretty much everything you possibly need for a baby, which was a brilliant marketing move because at the time, having a store that specialized in that, and at that time in the 90s, all the rage were specific stores, so stores that specialized in one subject matter. There weren't a lot of stores going out trying to be the Walmarts of the world that had every a little bit of every category from sporting goods to baby gear to food to bicycles, what have you. So at the time, it was a brilliant idea, and they were successful for many years. Now, that seems to be something that they might be able to profit off of. So there's a couple of companies that are bidding for that intellectual property. And interestingly enough, one of the bidders actually wants to keep the stores open. Well, at least 75% of those stores, which would be great for the employees. They might be able to keep those jobs, make consumers, I'm sure, appreciate having a brick and mortar in those instances whether you're a mom in the middle of the night that needs an extra widget for the baby or dad who just needs to help out the mom. I would think that there would be a good demand for spontaneous purchases or impulse purchases as I would guess there's a lot of variables that come when you raise a baby and unknowns where things pop up and you just need something as opposed to someone like myself where I pretty much know exactly what I'm going to need every week in terms of groceries and I buy clothing every like six to seven years so that's really not a thing I have to worry about. But Another interesting idea. Now, another bidder is actually wanting to just buy their intellectual property, so just the name Bye Bye Baby and the website, their domain, and their trademark. And that particular company is called Baby List, which makes sense. It sounds like a registry or like a list of stuff you need for babies, and they're an online direct consumer company. So it'll be interesting to see. Personally, I hope the store is able to stay open. I hope the bidder that wants to keep 75% of the stores open, because that would help a lot of people keep those jobs. So. That's my three cents. I think that'd be good for, that'd be my preference of, you know, who actually wins the bidding war. Now, other interesting business news, you have Amazon Alexa. Turns out it was, yeah, it was recording kids and they're deciding to sell a lawsuit. Now, the Federal Trade Commission, also known as the FTC, because acronyms, everyone likes to sound smart, they sold a lawsuit against Amazon over the company's alleged failure to delete recordings of children when they should have. Now, the regular know that Amazon will pay $25 million for violating the federal child privacy laws, which... That is a joke in terms of Amazon being quite literally a multi-billion dollar company. That they, they probably spend more on toilet paper for the offices than $25 million a year. Like, so that really is an, a non-fine in my opinion. But there are a lot of people that don't realize, well, especially not IT people, that yeah, those things are always on. There was an article a couple months ago about a Roomba, or I think it was a Roomba, 
where the camera actually recorded a woman without her clothing on. Again, technology is double-edged sword. Always assume it's working against you like the Terminator. Some say, I parent, some say I'm paranoid about things going bad or malicious things with IT. I say, no, I, I'm not. I just work in cybersecurity. And I know what people are capable of. And many times it's not a good thing. So in this case, again, those things are always recording. And again, that's not your property. So the, it blows my mind how people don't realize if they have Amazon Alexa devices, those cameras and all that crap, all of that video, so let's say you have it in your house, it's in your living room, it's recording you eating spaghetti or whatever Americans eat these days. And that's, so you have the physical camera. So you, you, you own that piece of hardware. You paid $100 or whatever for that little white camera doodad. That camera's connected to your internet, so that goes to the internet. That goes to Amazon's data centers, going back to the conversation earlier with IT, where they're serving their storage devices. They all record and store that data. That's not your data. That's Amazon's data. It's very similar to those awkward situations where do you really own a Tesla? Well, you own the hardware of it, but you don't own the software. That's, you can't do the maintenance on it. So with all these recording devices, that's not your data. And also, people should realize, the US government has realized this and police are using that in investigations. And they're, subpoena, they're sending subpoenas to Amazon and successfully getting data back from them. So people are quite literally sending themselves to jail in some instances because they don't realize, oh wait, the police could just take that because it's not my property. So again, read the terms and conditions or at least browse them or skimmy read it, I think they used to say, or skippy read it. Correct me in the comments, the little term that people used to use for the speeding reading. But the issue is it's not your data. And data is the most valuable thing on the planet these days. So. You're basically paying to have someone spy on you. A very foreign concept, people in the 80s, decades ago, Americans would have thought that's preposterous. preposterous. Americans would never pay to have someone invade their privacy, but unfortunately, people are more often than not trading convenience for a lack of rights more and more. Now, there are apparently some ways you could disable this, apparently. Now, in order to, to disable this, yet in the Amazon Alexa enabled devices like the Amazon Echo, you have to open up the Alexa app on your smartphone or tablet, go to the settings, go to the Alexa privacy, go to the manage your Alexa data, and then you could choose how long to save recordings and select don't save recordings and hit confirm. Now that apparently will delete past recordings in the Alexa privacy section. Also, don't be, also you have to include your voice history and history of detected sounds. Again, these things only work because they're always listening. It's, just just conceptually, that makes sense to the average person, I would think. The only way they can hear you say their name is if they were, the microphone's always on. There's no other way it would work. So they're quite literally always on, always recording. Personally, I'm a fan of analog technology. That's why I have a car with three pedals, also known as a stick shift. But I digress. I'm also recording this on a laptop, obviously, and putting it on the internet, which... I don't own the servers. YouTube owns those servers. Which is why I'll probably upload this on Rumble and other platforms in the future, including trip Twitter as well. But just goes to show, be careful where who owns your data and really read those terms and conditions because more often than not, it's not yours. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Blizzard. Blizzard has a two-faced pride strategy. Now, Blizzard is one of the largest, most successful video game produ producers and publishers in history 
They make some of the biggest hits you've ever heard of. Probably the biggest one is the StarCraft or Star Wars. Star... StarCraft? One of those two. No, not StarCraft. Warcraft. Some type of craft. Kids play it, and many adults. It's a role-playing game where you dress up as a goblin or an elf, and you gain powers, and it's a live-action role-play. It's, it's a, a cult hit. Everyone loves it, and they pay a monthly fee to pay it. And they actually merged with Activision, which are one of the biggest video game companies in history. They've been making video games since Atari 2600. The, very, the best game in history, obviously, is River Raid on Atari 2600. The graphics are superb. You get to be a little airplane, get to blow things up, shoot things, recollect fuel. A, cl a classic that is very underrated. Now, nowadays, they're only mainly known for having Call of Duty. That was the thing that really put them on the map and made them a juggernaut. Those two companies merged. Now, Blizzard is having an issue with Pride Month, and I say that because they're pretty two-faced. They're trying to get the best of both worlds, which also makes you look inauthentic, and you have everyone pissed off because they know it's all about the money, which the purpose of a business is to make money and make a difference, but you're trying to you're trying to play both sides. So one of their games is called Overwatch, and there's a they're injecting politics in it as well. So there's a short story called Pride Short Story, and a character Jen reveals she is a lesbian and Bap is a bisexual. Now, I'm not an author or a genius, but I would think of a better name than Bap because that sounds like a sound. I don't know. Apparently that's a name. But so you have this really big game called Overwatch. And they're also going to introduce a transgender character. They have these two characters coming out of the closet. And you also have LGBT uh, uh, flags, like literal flags, in the game. So they're doing this because they say they want to support the Pride and all that. Which, okay, that, that business track, I don't recommend injecting politics into the business. That's why Top Technologies is very apolitical. So they've chosen this, which will alienate some players. But they're not consistent in this value that they're pretending to hold. So the big thing is they're actually blocking pride content in countries that have laws against LGBTQ. I always forget why some of these are some of these articles are very inconsistent with the nomenclature or the acronyms, but they're actually disabling it. And Twitter was as soon as people realized this and. Blizzard had all the things on Twitter saying, hey, we're doing this, we're, we're supporting Pride. All the responses were, well, wait a minute, why are you blocking it in all these countries? And they were immediately ratioed, as the youth might say. So the people who are dissing Blizzard got more positive results for their post than the original post. Now, the top comment being, quote, if they actually cared, they would release it in all countries anyway, even if they get banned, unquote. That already has over 956 likes slash hearts thingamajigs whatever you call it, which, yes, that's true. So they're choosing not to release those patches or skins. I know in video games you can actually buy appearance packages, which they call skins, to change your character's look. But so I guess they're disabling those in the countries that have lost against it, like Saudi Arabia. But they're still making a profit in those countries because they're selling the core game. So that action just shows they're not consistent in their philosophy. And it really is just about the money. I, don't, I can't think of a way to, for them to actually come back from this in terms, in terms of buying public support. 
So time shall tell to see what Blizzard does. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Twitter gets canceled by the Daily Wire. Or reverse that, actually, Twitter cancels the Daily Wire. Now, Daily Wire had a specific contract with Twitter, and actually this is an even worse timing. Daily Wire just had an agreement with Twitter where they were actually gonna bring all their content there. Now, the Daily Wire is one of the largest, fastest growing conservative media companies headquartered out of Tennessee, and all their big personalities they all have YouTube channels. You think of Ben Shapiro, you have Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, the comment section with Brett Cooper, and they all have very large popular YouTube channels and presence. They're moving over to Twitter because YouTube is censoring and demonetizing them. Famously, Matt Walsh is getting demonetized because he will not acquiesce to YouTube's rules around pronouns. And Matt's faith and common sense from his perspective he will not bend the knee, so to say, going as far as he's actually giving up $100,000 a month. Apparently, that's how much he's making, which in a day of two-faced people and very few people are consistent with their philosophy, I can't help but respect someone who actually is willing to give up that money to stick to their guns, which is a rare thing these days. I wish more, wish more folks had the persistence or just the grit to stand by their convictions. Nevertheless, Going back to my original statement, so they're moving their content instead of posting on YouTube, they're going to post it on Twitter because Elon Musk is saying Twitter is the most free platform and he cares more about free speech than anything else included. And it would seem including making money because there are some advertisers that will be turned off by free speech and there are some advertisers that actually don't like free speech. I call those advertisers un-American, but unfortunately they have a lot of traction and major brands partner with them. Now. Daily Wire actually specified a specific contract with Twitter where they were going to premiere their biggest documentary called What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, in which Matt Walsh literally goes around the globe asking different people and cultures, what is a woman? And it is one of the most entertaining documentaries I've ever seen because it is hopefully hilarious as well as a little disappointing in terms of my faith in humanity where he goes around the globe and of course, you know, he goes to Africa and they're like, yeah, we've never heard of these discrepancies. We have no idea what you're talking about furthering the point that a lot of people make where this is just is a phenomenon with the people and countries that have a lot of time and resources on their hand. But he has some people where they go up to him and they just, they can't define it. Either because they're scared they'll be culturally prosecuted or persecuted or ousted by their society. But it's a very popular, very popular documentary and it helped Daily Wire skyrocket. It nearly doubled the amount of paid subscribers they have. A monumentous, huge achievement for a fast growing media company. Again, they have about 250 employees. In terms of media, that's pretty small, but they're one of the fastest growing, which is very admirable these days. And I always say more, more data, the better, more options, the better for the consumers. So they're gonna premiere that show. They're gonna have the movie for free on Twitter for about 24 hours. And at first Twitter said, oh yeah, we are excited. We wanna team up with you. You know, We'll take your marketing dollars. We'll, we're gonna have a special premiere page so that everyone can go there and they can watch the movie, movie for free. Which for the Daily Wire would be life-changing because it would be a huge exponential increase in their audience reach. Because on other platforms, they actually get blacklisted. They get, it's made so that other people can't see it. So it's very hard to, for them to grow their business and promulgate those ideals when the traditional tech companies want to censor them. Now, they had the contract, they signed it. And then 
the Twitter moderators, they said, hey, um, can we get a copy of your movie? Because we weren't smart enough to actually watch it. And for how they hadn't already seen it by now is beyond me. It's one of the most popular documentaries, and I don't know how they missed it. But apparently the Twitter team viewed it, and they decided to um, basically void the whole contract and shadow ban the film. And they stipulated that not even their own followers on Twitter would be able to see it. Including they cannot share it, tag people, advertise it, or you know pay to boost it, or pay for it to be reached a greater audience. Basically meaning it's useless to the Daily Wire because if no one could see it, what's the point? It's technically there, but none of the new users, and again, they're trying to reach a new audience, they're trying to grow their audience base, that's why they're doing this. It's also the one-year anniversary of the production release of the film. And Twitter's basically saying, oh yeah, we're going to shadow ban it because of the sin of misgendering. And they're actually, I was surprised in the movie, there's two, only two instances. And one of them was an extremely heart-wrenching moment in which a father in Canada, and again, Canada has very different free speech. Well, they have no free speech in Canada. They have very different speech laws. If you insult the prime minister, you get fined or imprisoned. So if you insult the little Cuban Trudeau or Fidel Trudeau, it's a joke because his mom is a very promiscuous woman who apparently slept with Fidel Castro. And Justin Trudeau has a lot of communist uh, ideals from gun confiscation to quite literally praising China because of how swiftly they could, re they could respond to COVID-19. He was asked, what country leader do you, do you who do you, uh, who do you really admire? He said, China, which says something about him. Now, there's a story where a father refers to his daughter as a her. Now, the mother, again, it's a Canadian family. The mother decided, we're gonna, we're gonna just, uh, we're gonna transition the child. Again, child. And the mom started putting the kid on some drugs. Again, no, not none of these drugs are proven. We do not know the long-term impact of these drugs. And the father is fighting tooth and nail to legally save his daughter from transitioning and taking hormones and testosterone to attempt to make her a boy. And the father called his daughter a her. And they took the kid away. Throughout the whole process, they took the ki his kid away from him. And it is one of those heart-wrenching stories of the whole documentary, and I can't imagine the pain of being in that man's position. But because he called his daughter her, Twitter said that that was one of two instances where that's misgendering. You got to take that out of the movie. And of course, Daily Wire did not acquiesce to their demands. They stood strong in their stood their to their convictions. And the other instance is where Matt Walsh interviewed a store owner in, I believe, it was L.A. somewhere in California. Is a guy who owned a Star Wars store. And the man called, uh, he called a man a man when the man wanted to be a woman. When, I think it was a new, a new government official actually came into the man's Star Wars store and demanded to be called a certain pronoun. And the owner said, no, no, this is what you are. And there was a verbal altercation that was recorded. And of course he was politically ostracized and very criticized based on the geographic area of the store owner. I'm not too surprised, but it is pretty disappointing when Twitter is known as the beacon of free speech. And specifically when Elon took over, he said, we're getting rid of that pronoun thing because we know people with religious convictions and also just people, they don't believe in controlled or compelled speech. Compelled speech meaning you're punished if you do not acquiesce to my demands of you calling me XYZ. If you don't call me handsome and brilliant, I, you're in jail. That's the Canadian way. 
but not in America, not yet. Well, unfortunately for some tech platforms like Twitter before Elon bought them. Now, when Elon bought it, the Babylon B was a complete, a lot of accounts were reinstated who had previously committed that terrible sin, such as the Babylon P. And everyone was really hopeful. So it'll be interesting to see what will Elon do? Time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Walmart keeping their pride merchandise, but they also have Bibles. Now, this is a little anecdotal evidence. I'm headquartered, I'm based over in Texas, the best state in the union, I'm a little biased, but this is in light of Target stock crashing, losing not a couple million, but 10 plus billion dollars in valuation for having or, um, transitioning clothes for children. They had the little swimsuit where boys could is extra engineered and designed with extra space for boys to tuck their junk to pretend to be a woman. Uh, all very foreign concepts to me, but they also had satanic materials. And I don't mean not just verbally, I'm not just pontificating or over-exaggerating. I mean, I mean, in the literal sense where they had little keychains that said Satan, Satan, what is it? Satan uh, believes in pronouns or respects pronouns. That was the term. Yeah, the head designer of the trans clothing kid line where he actually was self-proclaimed Satanist with quite literally Satan on t-shirts that he designed. And it was one of those things where a lot of people thought Target crossed the line because yes, every retailer on the planet has adult clothing with pride themes on it, but now they're starting to target kids where I remember when I was growing up, they said, don't worry, they'll never, that'll never happen. It, it's an adult's choice, only in the bedroom. I'm like, all right. But a lot of people are concerned, well, why are, why are you introducing sexual themes and ideas to children when most people would say there's a time and a place for everything and there's also something also known as child appropriate. Now, Walmart doesn't seem to have those types of materials. They have some books that are aimed at teenagers. Now, I was at my Walmart and I went down to a couple of them and I saw that and then Walmart actually came out with a statement. So this is from their chief merchandising officer, Latrice Watkins. Now she said, quote, we have merchandise that we sell all year that supports different groups, unquote. She also elaborated, quote, in this particular case, we haven't changed anything in our assortment, unquote. Now, no one's boycotting Walmart right now, which I find fascinating from a little bit. So they do have those materials. They have some flags there. But they do have an alternative solution, or rather they have an alternative product line as well. They do have biblical materials. So they're at least not one-sided as other retailers and other stores. Walmart is giving customers more choices. Some might say they're still betraying their founders since Sam Walton and his family were very much faith-based and they were a very religious family. The children took over the business long after uh, Sam, unfortunately, he passed away several years ago, the founder, Sam Walton. But they still do have some. So they have, I was at my Walmart and noticed they have a couple of books that are, a lot, are religiously themed. And of course, they have the traditional Bible as well. And because they actually have an alternative for different consumers, I think that's one of the reasons you're not going to see much of a boycott against Walmart. Walmart is also less of a luxury and more of a necessity in terms of no American needs to shop at Target. When I think of Target, I think of suburban white women with too much money. 
I don't think I've gone into Target in 15 years. Not in recent memory. Because again, everything's more expensive. You're paying partially for the experience of having fancier cards. You have, it's a cleaner store. But you don't need to shop there. Walmart sells staples and goods that you need at an economic price point. And of course, it's very convenient because you can buy everything there from your office paper to your shotgun ammo for trap shooting events that I host, uh, personally, for my IT, uh, IT company, to your groceries and more. And because there's not a lot of alternatives to Walmart, I don't think you're going to see such of a boycott. So it is nice to see they have some religious materials these days in a day where religious persecution is becoming more and more of a concern for Americans. And unfortunately, it's becoming less and less popular. So time shall tell to see, but I'm pretty confident there's not going to be too much backlash against Walmart for those reasons stated. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have the auto safety regulators proposing automatic braking because we don't have enough laws. We need even more because cars are not expensive enough. We need more rules, laws, regulations, stipulations, more red tape. That'll help you drive down the price for consumers. Oh, wait. No, no, it, it never does. It increases the price exponentially. Now, the proposal is for the automa- automatic brake, emergency braking, also known as AEB, because acronyms. And they want it to be standard for all vehicles. Now, the free market, which used to be a beautiful thing before the government got, got its fingers in it, is still free to a certain extent. But right now, without a law in place or a regulation in place or they already have that feature on 73% of new of new vehicles sold in North America. Now, they're claiming that the AEB will be used mostly to prevent rear-end collisions, which is a very common type of crash. They say that vehicles with AEB will use sensors such as radar, sonar, cameras to detect when a vehicle is slowed or stopped. But again, it's going to increase the cost of consumers because all those sensors add up in price. Some might argue the cost of accidents and insurance rates. Personally, I like to let the free market do what it wants to do. If the consumer demands that and all the vehicles start to come with it automatically, that's fine. I think it's similar to the rear, the rear, rear view cameras. The natural adoption rate was already there, but then Obama and the US government mandated it by force and coercion, I mean law, and that forced all the cars to have it, even the economic economy cars. So the cheapest cars just got more expensive, which again, hurts low-income families the most. Ironically, the people that government pretends to care about the most. Now, it's also concerned. What I don't know if you've ever seen a horror movie, but what if the bad guy is just 100 feet in front of you, you're in a car, and they got, you know, they're coming at you. You just step on the accelerator, you go all the way there, then the car automatically stops, and the bad guy just calmly walks around you, fade to black, end of story. Now, I say that somewhat comically, but you also have situations where that auto brake is a pain in the rear and you need to disable it. If you ever go to a track, there are a lot of accidents caused because those cars have that from the factory and drivers don't realize it's there. And when you're on a track, when you're learning how to race, you're just learning how to drive your cars as engineered to be, you actually get pretty close to the person in front of you. And it's one of those fun experiences that you could possibly have. I highly recommend it for everyone to try out. But then you're getting too close and then it automatically stops. So your car goes back and then the car behind you. And ironically, it causes an accident. 
So it'll be interesting to see if the free market pushes back or if auto, auto companies say, hey, our cost is always already going up exponentially enough. Do you really have to push this? Why not let consumers decide if they want it or not? So time shall tell to see how that goes or what political buttons are pushed or pressed. Now, other interesting political news, you have Trump attacking DeSantis, saying that he was worse than Cuomo, which is the most asinine statement I've heard in years. It's completely false, but let's hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to say. The sanctimonious and his poll numbers are... Now, Trump traditionally is pretty good at his puns and nicknames. I still think desanctimonious isn't the best he could think of. There's got to be a better term than that. Dropping like a rock. I would almost be inclined to say these are record falls. The question, is Rob just young, inexperienced, and naive, or, more troubling, is he a fool who has no idea what the hell he's doing? We already have one of those in office. We don't need another one. We need MAGA. Make America great again. That's what we want. Make America great again. We have no choice. This is the last shot we've got at it. If we don't win this time, our country's in really big trouble. Thank you. When the Ron DeSanctimonious facts come out, you will see that he's better than most Democrat governors, but very average at best compared to Republican governors. Terrible idea to say that. Terrible. In terms of the political chessboard, that's one of the worst moves you can make. Republicans love Ron DeSantis. He was one of the few governors who didn't completely shut down his state. And in terms of just political success, first of all, Trump Trump actually nominated him or gave his blessing. So when Ron was first getting politically started, Trump said recommended him. He put his name he put his name on him. Said, "Hey, this is a good candidate. People should vote for him." So some of, the, some of the success did actually come from Trump, but Trump recommended him. And when the first time Ron got elected, Ron DeSantis, he won by less than, less than 1%. The first time he ran, he, let, he won by less than 1% of the vote. The second time when he re-ran for re-election, it was about 20%. That type of spread in politics is unprecedented. It is perhaps the most successful increase I've seen in my life. I mean, I can't think of another politician in my lifetime that has such, has had such an increase in voter turnout and such an increase in people voting for you. And people did that during COVID. They saw what he did and that's why they reelected him. So it's just, the statement is not factual. So have done a fantastic job. How about the fact that he had the third most deaths of any state having to do with the China virus or COVID. Florida also has one of the oldest population in the United States by far. And guess what? COVID, the, the virus, which if you say it, your video sometime is blacklisted, that attacked old people the most. It had the greatest lethality rate of older folks. So it makes sense that those populations, they were most at risk, they would have the greatest number of people, unfortunately, passing away. COVID. Even Cuomo did better. He was number four. Now, let's rewind the clock back a couple of years. Cuomo famously took old folks in nursing homes. One would go to the hospital, they would get tested, they would show a positive test. Per 
his orders, they would go back to the nursing home, thereby infecting the whole nursing home and causing unprecedented number of deaths. It was one of the most terrible, immoral moves and political moves Cuomo has ever made in his lifetime. And it's one of the reasons he's a butt of a lot of the jokes around COVID because he just messed up so ethically. To say that Ron did worse than him is ridiculous. He shut down everything, including the beaches. Other Republican governors didn't do that. They kept it open. It was there. As far as I know, as far as I remember too, he quickly reopened everything that he shut down pretty quick at a great faster rate than most of the competition. Choice. I gave them all their choice. The Democrats blew it big. A lot of Republican governors did a fantastic job. And look at Disney and what a mess it is. Could have worked out an easy settlement, but no, he wanted to show the fake news how tough a guy he is. Which, isn't that what Trump does too? He's not. And the whole Disney thing is really very unfortunate. Now thousands and thousands of jobs are being stopped. And a lot of people are very upset about it. Thank you. Debatable. So the whole issue with Ron Sanchez versus Disney came from Disney, Disney making a cognitive decision to get involved in politics. And they decided Disney thinks it's a good idea for teachers to indoctrinate, indoctrinate and tell children about sex, specifically all types of sex. Now, it was called the Don't Say Gay Bill, which was a pejorative term used to be politically charged to get people to not like DeSantis. The bill is actually called the Parental Rights Bill, I believe. It wasn't good enough of a term or acronym for me to remember it. But the bill says you're not allowed to discuss sexual themes, any kind, straight or gay, with children if they're under third grade, which one would think that would be common sense. But Disney said, no, we are against this bill. We want teachers to have the right to tell kids about all those things when they're in kindergarten or first grade. I can't think of a conceivable, single conceivable reason why that would be appropriate or a good idea. Now, that sparked the political headbutt between DeSantis and Disney. Disney is one of the largest employers, especially in Orlando. They said it was the largest in the state, but I don't know if that's quite right. I saw a couple articles. They are the number one in the city of Orlando because that's where their little theme park is. Now, they're going to expand it with an additional office, and recently Disney said they're not going to do that. I'm not too surprised for a couple reasons, but it's also one of those things where a lot of people from California do not want to go to Florida. It's the, Florida is the antithesis. It's the opposite of California. Most people don't want to go to Florida. They would much rather stay in California paying $7 for a gallon of gas and the myriad of other reasons to live in California. So... I'm not too surprised they canceled that expansion. But in terms of standing up for kids and standing to his convictions, it seemed to be a political win for DeSantis. A lot of people supported him. So I don't know why Trump thinks this is a good move on the political chessboard. I don't think it's going to be as strong as a political campaign as he thinks it's going to be. I think it'd be more prudent to have more political messaging around your opponents. Well, I know it's a primary, so they're all fighting for the nomination, so they're currently opponents, but in terms of what's affecting Americans on a day-to-day -day basis, Trump would probably have a much better time going after Biden, Kamala Harris, the people, the people who are currently in power and causing a lot of situations Americans are struggling with these days, including a 40-year high hyperinflation. I mean, to become president in 2024, just hammer away at inflation, inflation, inflation.
just what's affecting Americans the most. Their dollar is being stretched so thin, the government is taking more and more of that dollar every year with taxes. Just tell them, hey, we're going to decrease taxes. We're going to stop printing more money and spending more money than God has ever seen. And we're going to try to make your life a little bit better. It, and I'm not a political genius. I'm not even a political analyst. I just uh, I just kind of take a look at the situations and do a little research. I, I mean, my two cents is if you were to focus, have a laser-like focus on those topics, there'd be a lot more positive reactions to these types of videos. And for some of the folks speculating, well, maybe Ron DeSantis would be a great VP so they can go, you know, work together. Now, politically speaking, that would not be a prudent business, not be a prudent move, or uh, move, so to say, because they're both from Florida. Which is another silly thing. Trump is criticizing DeSantis. Trump moved to Florida. He was famously living in headquarters in New York for most of his life, but he moved to Florida, which, again, in terms of political, when you're running for president, you want a VP who's in another state, probably more of a purple straight state or a swing state, so you can gather up some support there and have that state go to your political side of the aisle. So time will tell to see how these political chess moves turned out, but I can't help but think this is, was, it was not a prudent move on the political chessboard. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford recalling a little bit over 140,000 SUVs. Now, this recall is due to a fire risk related to the sensors. Interesting, I was just saying people might not be, you shouldn't be forced to buy sensors in the car. Nevertheless, this recall is for the Lincoln MKC vehicles, which I can't believe they actually sold 140,000. I've only seen like two of those on the road. A Lincoln SUV. I'm still shocked they chose that specific brand to keep alive when they were consolidating their portfolio. But it basically looks like a you know, fancier Ford Escape. Nevertheless, this is for models between 2015 and 2019 manufacturer. Ford said that the location of the sensor in these vehicles might be susceptible to damage when the battery or other related electric components are serviced. The damage can cause an electrical short to, the, to develop on its printed circuit board, which may cause the surrounding materials to overheat. Now, thankfully, in terms of business and saving face, thankfully there's no, been no one who's passed away from the situation. They've had, they're aware of only 19 potential related reports of fires under the hood. And that's including some vehicles that were parked or turned off. And they know that the owners do not need to stop driving. So it's, it's not, it doesn't seem to be a life threatening issue yet. And they're saying, of course, just come to the dealership before, I believe it's some mid July and they'll, you know, fix it for free. But still, I mean, yet another recall and recall again, just hammers away and chisels away at the consumer belief and their perspective and the reliability and the and prestige of the brand. This is Lincoln. It's supposed to be top-notch. It's their luxury brand. So to have a recall on your premium brand and, again, something seemingly so simple. I mean, fire is never good for vehicles. So that needless to say, that's got to be the political blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Can't thank you enough for liking, subscribing, and commenting. All those things greatly help the channel grow and develop. We really appreciate the feedback. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.